Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Sunday in Lent comes from James chapter 1. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. 
then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. We stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. St. Mark, the first chapter. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is steadfast to us when we are under trial. Amen. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. This is our test. James was a man who knew trial and suffering. While uh, James was not a follower of our Lord during his earthly ministry, James beheld his uh, brother, his half-brother, the risen Lord, uh, and his Savior, as Paul recounts in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. James confessed the Messiah, that his, that his half-brother Jesus is the Messiah, and has washed away the sin of the world through his bloody death and his glorious resurrection. And Jesus soon rose to be one of the predominant voices in the early church. He rose to be the Bishop of Jerusalem. And James was so devout to his Lord that he would pray in the temple on his knees every day, and he would walk up the temple steps on his knees. And he did that so much that he developed thick calluses on his knees, and he became known as old camel knees. That's how thick his calluses were. And for his faithfulness to his half-brother, uh, the Jews stoned him. And so James was steadfast in both word and deed to the very end. He is a, an example of what he tells us here today. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. And, you know, today it may be hard for us to speak those words. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. It's not that we don't believe them. I mean, we certainly do. But think about last year or think about any of the significant losses that you've ever experienced. It's hard to think that we are blessed when we're suffering. It may be hard for us to give prayer and praise to God with audible thoughts and words when we suffer. You know, for Paul himself says in Romans that those who suffer in a time of trial, he says, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And so we come here today in worship, and not as those who have it all together, but we, we come before our, our gracious and loving God as a jumbled mess. A mess that God hath loves, and a mess that God redeems with his own suffering and death. And we all here are uh, more double messes than we would care to admit. And if we are honest with ourselves, none of us has it all together. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Uh, James's words echo the words of his half-brother on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus promises us on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the one who mourns. The thing is that Jesus blesses you when those tears of grief flow from your eyes down your cheeks. Grief is a thief. Sin, death, and the devil rob us of the joy of life. And we grieve over many things that the enemy has robbed us of. 
the loss of a parent, a grandparent, a family member, a child, a miscarriage, a stillbirth. We find out that one of our loved ones has done an unspeakable, horrible thing, and they're going to prison. We grieve from moral injuries sustained in combat and active duty military or on police duty, or we may not be making ends meet at home, and we're worried about how we can fit everything into our budget. Your family may want nothing to do with you. We grieve over the state of the world, and we think to ourselves, this isn't the way things ought to be. Especially when we feel that black hole in our hearts, when we experience loss and pain, when we experience grief, we don't feel particularly blessed. The psalmist cries out in Psalm 130, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Psalm 130 is a psalm of lament. Around one-third of the psalter is, is lament. And many of these psalms are not in our hymns. And they're edited out because we don't like talking about lament. The modern Christian church has largely failed to address lament in the pews. Get to the point where well-meaning Christians will often just say trite things in response to grief, like God doesn't give you anything more than what you can handle. Or other cliches because we just cliches because we just don't know how to deal with grief biblically. It's uncomfortable for us to discuss loss and pain. And yet our Lord has, has written for us dozens of prayers, dozens of psalms that address the feelings we experience in grief. And of course, that ultimate psalm of lament, Psalm 22, the psalm that our Lord sang from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so our Lord praying that psalm on the cross, he invites us too to pray that psalm as well, to pray Psalm 22 in times of distress, when we feel abandoned, when we feel all alone with our hurt and with our pain. Good news is, my brothers and sisters, we are not alone. Paul speaks of these trials that we go through. When he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter, when he says, God comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. And we should be saying uh, to those you know, cliche phrases like, God doesn't give you anything more than what, than what you can handle. Instead, we should be saying, pointing to the one who does take care of our pain and our sin and all the bad things in this world, and say that God doesn't give you anything more than what God can handle. For our God is the God who prayed Psalm 22 on the cross. And on, on the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ and his humanity experienced a fuller, more complete grief on the cross than what we could ever experience. Because when he experiences that grief and suffering and pain, he is, he is experiencing that because his Father, his Heavenly Father, has turned his back on him. And the wrath of the Father is poured out upon his Son. 
His son, who he has eternal communion with, yet for an instant, God pours out his wrath upon his son as he bore the sins of the world in his body. And knowing that, that he is full, he has experienced true, a truest and most, most fuller form of grief than what we can ever imagine ever handling ourselves. We know that we can commend our sin and our suffering and, and, and our death to our Savior, and he can handle it for us. He bore your sin and suffering that you may receive his steadfast joy and comfort. For Paul further tells us, he says, for us, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. You know, the thing in this life will experience trials, will experience suffering. It's unavoidable. You know, when I was, uh, when I was attending Cordia Seminary in St. Louis, and, and Patrick Buckley can confirm this here, uh, that there, when you're going in to the seminary through through the uh, seminary place uh, entrance, you're going uh, to the library. When I was going through seminary, I was, I was in a 2003 uh, Buick Century, a rusted out bottom and no air conditioning, right? And as you're going into the, the, the seminary, when you're driving, there's this gigantic speed bump, right? And so every time you're driving to the seminary, getting into campus, coming back from field work or, or coming back from home, you know, wherever I was at, I, I dreaded going past that speed bump because every time I would drive past that speed bump, I would bottom out my, my Buick Century, my rusted out bottom Buick Century, right? And so the thing is, is that, is that there was no way that I could avoid it. There was no way getting around the speed bump. It was just going to happen. There was no getting around it. I just had to accept that that was an inevitability. <laughs> suffering is the exact same way. We, we, we see it coming, and maybe we can see suffering coming a mile away, but we cannot avoid it. But we don't despair when we see suffering because we have steadfast hope. Steadfast hope that Christ takes in our sufferings, makes them his own so that we may receive his steadfast love and comfort, his divine light and life. And Satan can never rob you of that steadfast hope that we have in the resurrection of the dead. James gives us this steadfast comfort and hope today when he tells us every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of a first fruit of his creatures. God will provide us. He always will. He promises that for us. And so we need not worry that God's going to provide for us in suffering. He certainly will. We have that assurance. But more than that, what James is talking about here is that you're united to the one who said, let there be light. You're united to the one who created the entire universe. Through Christ, we are united to him, uh, uh, to the one who, who, who says, let there be light. That uh, we're united to that unchanging will that we will be with him in eternity. And so united with Christ, we live lives of significance now because we are that kind of first fruit of God's creatures. In the steadfast works that we do have, that we, that we that we do in Christ, have that eternal significance, right? That's why James points us that we are that first fruit of God's creatures. That the life we have now 
is a good gift from God. And as any of God's good gifts, whether they be his life, light, hope, comfort, or love, those can never be robbed by the enemy. Eternal life we have that we have in Christ can never be stolen by Satan. Because God promises us that nothing can separate us from that love which is found in Jesus Christ alone. No suffering, no trial, not even the enemy himself can. And in trials and sufferings, God's steadfast love abides in us. And so through Christ, we are blessed in trial. We're united to Christ's suffering and death, and so count yourselves as those worthy of suffering as our Lord suffered. Remember that suffering and death do not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. But the last chapter of your life is already written, and it is written by the blood of the Lamb in his book of life. God has a store for you joy beyond measure, a creation restore. How everything was always meant to be a world without sin and death. Now praise Jesus that he rose from the dead to give us steadfast comfort and hope. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, here today Jesus comes with his finger to wipe away every tear from your eyes. He comes with his finger to wipe away those tears. So let those tears flow from your face so he can remove those tears from you when you experience grief. The pain in your heart, give it to Jesus. He came for that very purpose. You are the body of Christ. Like James, you're counted as one of our Lord's brothers and sisters. Christ promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised to make all things right, and they will be. We've already received that down payment that all things are right in the resurrection of the dead. And that much we know is certain and true. And more than that, Jesus comes to us in the present in word and in baptism to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from the evil we commit and also the evil done to us. And Satan cannot rob us of that grace that God gives us. So count it all a joy, my brothers, when ye meet trials of various kinds. For ye know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know there's nothing more comforting than drinking cold water on a hot summer day. Baptism, the baptism that we had all those years ago, right? Parches our hearts that are parched from sin. Now as we mourn in this world, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we trust that God's going to bring us comfort and satisfaction. And the thing is, my brothers and sisters, what I say up here, it's not going to make your life any easier. Only the resurrection which we'll experience on the last day will bring us full healing from grief. But I do know one thing. Jesus, my Lord, will comfort you. He promises, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Rest in the comfort of Jesus. Remain steadfast under trial. He has won the battle. Rejoice. Hope in him. He is coming to make all things new. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding 
keep our hearts and minds and want your faith to life everlasting. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.